Um, and I ask you to open your Bibles to John chapter 13. And uh, I'm going to John chapter 14, but I have to pull it back to where we were at a couple weeks ago. And I want to I tie this in. And uh, I'm going I'm to ask you guys a, a simple question. And then I, I did this in the other service, and I just want to get the point across. If you believe God's word, say amen. amen. See, now I'm going to tell you right now, I not only believe it front to back, I believe the cover as well. I believe it's God's holy word. And we, we're at this stage of life right now in, in people's lives where it's the beginning of the year, and this is what they're doing. They are buying every exercise video. They are uh, joining gyms. Uh, you go inside Walmart, they're going to have the display set up with the, the, the protein powder and, and the, the shakes and the, the, you know, the bars that you eat and all, all the, I mean, everything that you need to, to get in shape. They've got the videos, they've got the exercise equipment, they sell hundreds and thousands of dollars of this stuff. I mean, it's a big industry. I'm going to tell you guys the truth about it. You are not going to look like the man or woman on the front of the DVD unless you do the DVD. You will not experience the greatness and the glory and the wonder of God. Unless you do what God has said. Owning it, being aware of it, throwing it in the shopping cart, joining the gym or whatever you want to do will not get you to where you want to be until you do the things required to get you there. I think we we, we have a a messed up society and and I, I, I hope that you were here in the first services. We're talking about this concept of greater things, and, and, and I took that hour explaining what, what, what the problem is, what hinders it, is this apathy that we have. We don't strive for it because we don't care to have it. We're happy right where we're at. And God rebuked the church for this. He said, actually, he said, you guys make me sick. I'm not kidding. He said, I'll spew you out of my mouth. He said, you become lukewarm. You've adapted to the world around you. There's no anything zealous Exciting coming out of you. God's not satisfied with it whatsoever. I'm going to show you Peter's zeal. Okay? This, when we read John 13, verse 37, Peter said unto him, Lord, why cannot I follow thee now? I will lay down my life for thy sake. It's easy to talk, isn't it? Is that what he did? You guys remember, is that what he did? No, it's not at all what he did. Actually, he... He squirmed when a girl asked him if he knew Jesus. No, I don't know Jesus. I mean, it's, it was the opposite. Jesus answered him, Will thou lay down thy life for my sake? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, the, the cock shall crow, so thou hast denied me thrice. You keep reading, and I, I, want, I just want you to get the idea that Jesus was like saying, Peter, man, he said, if you just get out of this zone, wherever you're at, I'm telling you, you, you don't get, you're, you're not where you should be. That's what Jesus was saying. He said, I'm, I'm about to tell you something that's awesome. But I'm going to tell you, Peter, right now, you are not where you should be. Let me just be honest with us as people in a church and things. We're not experiencing acts because we're back in John 13 saying, God, I'm going to do it. And God says, well, then you, you, there's a lot of things that need to happen to get you to that point. There's a lot of things that need to be put in practice. It's not just saying it. It's not just showing up. Like I said in the, in the service, you want to know how to become lukewarm? Just stay still long enough. 
Just sit there. I promise you'll become lukewarm. I'm going to take you to this passage. We started this in the other service. This passage I've read, and then I stopped, and I want you to underline this and circle it and, and ask the question, God, what do you mean by this? John 14, 12, the very next, this is the same conversations going on, and we, we go from Peter saying this to Jesus coming in and telling them this. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, you, you better circle that, underline that. You, you say, what, what's to come? You've got to believe it. Let, let me tell you, church, there, there's a world that is out there that they have a lot of ideas, but they don't believe what we believe. You are different because you believe the word of God. You are saved because you believe the word of God. I believe that there's a real hell and there's a real heaven. There's a real savior. There's a real cross. I believe the Bible says about the blood that it will save us. It ought to change us. He that believeth on me and the works that I shall do also. Now listen to this. In greater works than these shall he do because I go to my father. What a powerful statement. I'm going to revisit this, what we talked about in the first class a minute ago. Jesus was saying, I'm going to leave you with a mission. And he said, guys, I'm, I'm going and I, I'm taking, but I'm leaving behind the power of God. I'm leaving behind this greater thing. And now, and, and I explained this before, it's not that we will be given more power than Jesus. If you have that in your mind, you are wrong. You do not have more power than Jesus. There's no one greater than our God. But what he was saying, he said, guys, I'm going I'm to give you the word greater means broader or bigger or larger or expanded. God was saying, I'm going to, I'm going to be able to do things with you you never thought was possible. And they started revival and they went on the missionary journeys and God turned the world upside down as a result of their ministry. Jesus was returning to heaven. He said, guys, I'm going to leave you to do this job. God was giving them a mission that the devil could not stop. It's a mission that changes lives. Let's keep reading. We didn't do this on the other. I'm going to keep reading. Verse 16, and I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Never once did you ever walk alone. He is faithful. He is faithful. Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. Now listen to this. But ye know him, for he dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you will help this thought to get in our mind of understanding how we can experience greater things. Lord, I know that the things that we're about to study have almost become a myth. And as a result of that, Lord, we have become apathetic and stagnant. We sit still. We don't fast we don't pray we don't weep we don't seek what we just sit go through the motions we talk about it but lord you ask us to be fervent zealous always abounding passionate striving lord i pray that that is true of us as a church at fellowship baptist lord help this mind that was in you be also in us as we study this. We pray this in your name. Amen. Let me, let me word it like this. Jesus said to them, he said, you know him? He's with you? He's in you. You want to know why? 
I can step into this world that is in such turmoil and distress and despair and, and, and hate and anger and, and, and stirred up in so many problems. You want to know why God has said that you can have an incredible marriage that is different than the world? You want to understand why that we can have kids that love God and turn out right and serve God and attend a church and make a difference? Because you know him. Because he's with you. Because he's in you. Does, has that sunk in? As you face problems this year, understand that. As depression creeps into your mind, may you understand that. As your finances fall apart, will you understand that? As sin attacks you, will you understand that? Verse 18, he said, I will not leave you. Maybe that's another part you need to underline. He said, guys, I'm going to send you out. But he said, I will not leave you. Now, the next word is comfortless. He said, I will send you the comforter. That word comforter or comfortless right there literally means I will not leave you as an orphan. I will not leave you parentless. I will not leave you as a father. He said, I will, everything that those descriptions are, he said, I'm going to be your care. I'm going to be your help. I'm going to be your strength. I'm going to be your provision. You know what God was doing? God was psyching them up and stirring them up and convicting them to say, I've got great things planned for you. Why don't we see them? I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Whatever we face, we face with the power of God. We have settled in Christian lives. And churches are filled with struggling marriages. Stagnant service. Apathetic homes. And we wonder... As we look at the election coming up and the bills being passed and the decisions being made, as we see, guys, we as Americans are seeing false gods and false religions come into the nation that is one day was said, in God we trust in one nation under the real God. How is that possible? Can I take you back to the Old Testament when God said, I warned you, I warned you, I warned you, and God took his hand out and allowed the enemy to come in? Are we there? Are we okay with that? Church, are we okay with that? I'm not okay with that. I'm not. I'm not okay with this false religion. I'm not okay with them invading our neighborhoods and standing up and preaching a false doctrine and a false gospel. But the question is, what are you going to do about it? It's not a matter of God saying, I'm going to help you to survive. God said over here, I'm going to help you to thrive. And, and we're okay with striving and, and just surviving in life. He said, I'm going to help you to do greater things. Expand it, explode it, go forward and make a difference. So we're going to illustrate this. And I'm going to take God's illustration when he took Peter. And I, I think this was the pre-lesson to say, Peter, let me explain it like this. It's Matthew 14. I'm, I'm, we're going to use God's illustration here. I love this story. And I had no idea what God was doing. I'm going to tell you, I had no idea what God was doing because God knew that this message needed to be preached on this day. And you'll see that at the end. 
In Matthew 14, and straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him to the other side. Well, he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went on a mountain apart to pray. When evening was calm, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. In the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went on to them, walking on the sea. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit, and they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, and as I be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me to come unto thee on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried, saying, Lord, save me. Immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore hast thou doubt? And they were coming to the ship, the wind ceased. And they were in the ship and came and worshipped him, saying, Of truth, thou art the Son of God. How do you experience greater things? Number one, we must trust in the call and the commands of God. What makes this story so intense is the storm that was happening around them. Now, if God was just sending them over, and, and I've studied this, and the Lord kind of brought me back to this and said, did you get what was happening? We, we study scripture in Scripture, and a lot of time when we study a storm in Scripture, we know that it's turmoil or distress, or it's a symbol of a storm that's in our lives. But notice... Matthew 14, verse 22, and straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him. Here, here's, here's what I want you to get about this. Here's the command. God commanded them to go. It, it, was, it was a setup. Do you guys get that? Jesus set them up. Jesus, Jesus, when did Jesus show up? He showed up in the darkest part of the night in the middle of the sea when the storm was at its peak. It was a setup. You might personally be going through a storm right now. But let me tell us as a generation, as a church, as a nation, we're going through a storm. God knew that you would be a parent in the middle of this crazy generation. You, you just say, why me? Why now? Because God planned it that way. God makes no mistakes. Our God is sovereign. Our God knows. Our, our God knows today, tomorrow, and our future. God has it all worked out. And I sit there and say, God, I, I, I look back at those days when they weren't fighting us as a church, and they weren't taxing us, and they weren't trying to take away our rights, and they weren't fighting the things that we stand on. And God said, yes, I know, but I placed you here for such a time as this. God set them up because God needed them to be at that place at that time to do something greater with what he was going to do in their lives. God has placed us all here, every one of us, for such a time as this. Verse 24, but the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, and the wind was contrary. And the mist, you know what I'm saying? They were stuck. If you've ever been out there and you get to the middle of what it says right in the middle, it, it's, too, 
it's too far out to go back, and it's, it's the same distance to go forward. They were in the middle of it. I'm going to tell you, sometimes God will place you in those situations that you're stuck. You don't want to hear that either. I don't want to hear that. You're saying that I'm in this storm, in this thing, and it goes on. It says the wind was contrary. It was beating them up. It was tossing them. If you guys have ever been on the, on the water before, when it's like that, it's scary. The wind was blowing them over. You see, the thing is, our generation is always looking for God to do a great work when it's easy. Can I tell you guys, it's not always easy. We, we, we've been pacified to where we, we wanted to come and be laid in our lap. We want revival just because we sit there and ask for it. God was showing them in this middle, I'm going to do something great, but it's not going to come easy. If we're looking for easy, we're going to show up empty, Okay. If we're looking for easy in our lives of raising your kids and you just say, I, I, I don't want to deal with this, it's not going to happen if you're looking for easy. Verse 28, and Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou bid me to come on the water. And he said, come. Jesus compelled them to go, come. But next, Jesus invited Peter to come. Jesus sent them out. And now that there's this change. Have you ever stopped to think about this? Walking on the water in and of itself, would be a big deal. Okay? <laughs> just take it. Just, just being out in the middle of this where you can't see shore on either side and I don't know how far it is, but just stepping out on water to walk on water would be a big deal. But let, let me remind you, God asked him, invited him to step out in the middle of the storm. God wanted to do great things with Peter and have him experience something he never knew was possible in the middle of the storm. You know what I'm tired of? Is us looking back in past generations and saying, I want that. And we'd have that if it wasn't so tough today. God's looking at us saying, why can't you have that just because it's tough today? Well, they kicked God out of the government and got out of school. Well, you know what? He didn't kick him out of our hearts. He didn't kick him out of our church. He said, I will be with you and I will be in you and I will go before you everything that he promised. We're, we're, we're sitting there. It would have been one thing if he said, Lord, calm the sea and then well, let's talk about it. No, he said, invited him to come in the midst of the storm. God wants to do great things with us in the middle of the storm. I want you to know that God does not lead us to fail. See, when God said, come, he wasn't saying, ah, come, Peter, I, I hope it works out for you. And, uh, I don't know. If God instructs you and God calls you and God invites you, God will take care of you. When God challenges us and he tells you to go to a mission field or go to a church or start a church, when God calls you, and, and, and whatever it is that God has for you right now, and he's stirring you up. Remember when we said, I believe the whole thing, I do. Whether it's God challenging you about giving and you've never given before. God's challenging you to serve and you've never done that before. God's stepping you out and encouraging you to adopt or lead or whatever it is. And God says the word and you know that it's God and God says, come. You cannot fail when you're following his word. He said, wait a minute, Pete. <laughs> That's not true. We know that. We'll get to that. Peter experienced great things 
Because they got in the boat and went where God called them to go. And he listened to that one word, come. Here's the second thing. How do, how do we experience great, greater things? Number two, we put feet to our faith. See, the thing is, we know the instructions of God. We come to church. We read our Bible. We hear the stories. That, that if you think this is, if I'm going to ask you, if I was raise a hand and just say, how many of you know God wants to do great things? How many of you know God is great? God will never fail you. God is good. God will always, God will provide. You can't outgive God. Every one of us, every hand would go up. And then God says, how many of you doing all those things? Oh, oh. This is why. Why would you not, if I told you it's going to be okay, why would you not follow through? There's a big problem that we have, and I'm going to tell you guys right now why our generation, our church, this nation, our people, whatever you want to do, will never experience great things with God because God says, unless you put feet to your faith, you will not see anything happen. And I love this response of Peter in verse 28. You might not have thought of this, but think about this. If he's calling out to God to do the impossible, this does not make sense. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if, if it be thou... Make this storm stop. He didn't ask for that. Lord, if, if it's really you, Lord, bring us to shore right now. Lord, all the different things. Peter did not ask for any of those things. In the middle of the storm, Peter's prayer was, Lord, allow me to experience your power. You can imagine Peter standing on there. When they finally saw and maybe they saw it from a way because they thought it was a spirit. You guys read that. And, and sitting there going, wait a minute. Guys, is that Jesus? He's, he's walking out. Remember when Jesus called us to be like him? And he said that he's going to equip us with power. And, and I mean, maybe in the back of his mind, he's sitting there going, I wonder if I could do that. Because he asked the question. Jesus didn't come up and say, hey, Peter, how would you like to walk on water? That's not how it happened. Peter, he said, Peter came out and said, Lord, could I do that? Lord, is it possible when you said that you'd do great things with us that I could do that? The Lord wanted him to experience his power. Verse 29, and he said, come. And Peter was come down out of the ship and he walked on the water to go to Jesus. See, the thing is, Peter, in order to experience something that he's never experienced, in order for him to experience something that never been done in the middle of the storm, in the middle of the chaos, he had to get out of the boat. He had to come down out of the ship. It's faith. I'm going to tell you guys right now, faith is action. Faith is serving. Faith is going. Faith is doing. Faith is trusting. Faith is giving. Every command that we read in Scripture follows an action that God desires from us. Every single one of them. We're, we're going to do another Bible study. Just hold your place. Turn to Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11. Until we get this, the idea of greater things and the power of God resting upon us will never be more than a myth. You can talk about it. You can sing about it. You can have the, the plaque with God, I can, all things are possible and all those different songs and things that we do. It will never be a reality until you learn to live it. 
Hebrews 11.1. 1. We're going to jump all the way through this. I'm going to read a bunch of this, but we're going to just jump around and I'll tell you where I'm at. Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it, all the stories that we've read, every character in the Bible, by faith, they experience greater things. For by the elders obtained a good report. Verse 4, by faith, Abel offered unto God a more acceptable and excellent sacrifice. Verse 7, by faith, Noah being warned of God of things not seen yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark. Verse 8, by faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out and the place where he should have to receive for an inheritance, obeyed and went out, not knowing whither he went. By faith, he sojourned into the promised land. Verse 17, by faith, Abraham, when he was, when he was tried, offered up Isaac. Verse 24, by faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer the affliction with God's people, the people of God. Verse 29, by faith, they passed through the Red Sea. Verse 30, by faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were compassed about seven days. Do you guys see a theme through all of this? It's not a matter, and this is, it's a matter of us sitting in that seat of apathy and sitting there and we talk about it, amen, and God is faithful and God is good and God says it. That's never going to be the place where you experience the greatness of God. Never. That's a stagnant, sitting, talk about it, high-fiving, God is good, raise our hands, sing this song, and never move. God says it's in vain. Go back to Matthew 14. And tell you guys right now, faith is not a feeling. You can sit in your car and hear the coolest song ever written, cry, get all, and just get all emotional, and God says, that's great, what are you going to do about it? It's not a feeling. We, we love to get stirred up. It's like, oh, God is good. It's like, what are you going to do with it? Verse 28. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me to come unto thee on the water. And he said, come. And Peter was come down out of the ship. He walked on the water to go to Jesus. Jesus came to them. Jesus sent them. Jesus came to them. You can imagine, let's say that chair is Peter and this is Jesus. I don't know how far it was. I know in the storm that it had to be close enough to where they could see him in the middle of that chaos, but it was far enough to where he wanted to come to him. I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you guys that this, this is instrumental. This is very important what we're talking about. God, Jesus, stopped. Jesus stopped. Jesus was coming to him and he stopped. He could have kept coming to him. He could have, Peter, come, come on, let's do this. Come on, one step. All right, come. It's not how it went. Jesus went to him and stopped. It requires, he's already died on the cross. He's already given us salvation. He's already done his part. It requires action on your part. Church, young people, let me talk to our our generation. Let me get into our 18 to 30 year olds and that. We, We can talk about what God has done in the past, but let me tell you, we've got to do our part. We have got to serve and we've got to lead and we've got to love and we've got to change and we've got to do it. It's not a matter of talking about it. The great churches in our nation that have been there and the great revivals that have started is because God said, I will do it. I will bless you. I will do it. And we sit there and say, all right, God. 
Let's do this thing. God says it doesn't work that way. You want it? Come. You want it? Give. You want it? Go. You want it? Trust. You want it? Do it. Do it. We're suffering because we're comfortable sitting there wanting God to do all the work. I prayed and asked God. God doesn't hear me. God said, get up. Get up. Quit just talking about it. The storm was raging, raging in this passage. And he, he told them to come to Jesus in the midst of this. See, uh, we, we've got to understand that in, in the middle of this, Jesus was there in the midst of his faith. You, you talk about putting faith in, faith in, and you say, how is all this possible? How did Peter, Peter get out and say, I am doing what, what, what the world has never seen? I'm, I'm doing it. I'm, guys, if, if, if you're going to walk out of here and go try to run across the pond, you've missed my message today. That's not at all what we're talking about. It's having faith in what God said. Can I walk on water? Yes. Can I see my kids grow up to serve God? Yes. Can I see revival in my church? Yes. Can I see my spouse saved even though they won't even talk to me or they won't go to church? Can I see my kids saved? Yes. Come. Get up. Do something. Take a step. Faith is a substance of things hoped for, but the evidence of things not seen. Well, that Jesus was there in the midst of his faith. You can have faith when Jesus is in the midst of the storm. But I want, I want to show you something. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid, beginning to sink, and he cried and saying, Lord, save me. Jesus was not only there in the midst of his faith, but Jesus was there in the midst of his fear. Isn't it amazing how we all are like Peter, where we start off strong? I know people that said, this year I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give faithfully to the Lord. I, I'm, we're going to be faithful in our attendance. We're going to do this. And then all of a sudden, man, oh, and then we, then we fall out of it. I love the fact that he cried out to God in his fear. How many of you are right now that God's called you to do something you're scared to death? Can I tell you that God is still there in your fear? He's faithful in our fear. We get distracted. We get focused on the world. We get focused on the circumstances. We start looking at the waves. We see the storm. We watch the lightning and all this, the world falling in around us. But notice verse 31. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? Jesus was there in the midst of his failure. He He, he failed. He wasn't walking, he was sinking. How many of you have ever, ever felt like you were sinking in life and you just think, I tried that? And the Bible says immediately the comforter, the father, the God was there and he reached out and he caught him. 
Jesus was there in the midst of that, and Peter cried out to him. Verse 32, when they were coming to the ship, the wind ceased. Then they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying, Of truth, thou art the Son of God. Joe, this is my last time, but I need you. You're going to be sitting. <sighs> Had a lot of good years doing this. That's true. I played the devil one time and tried to stomp on him. <laughs> good times, good times. This is the story wrapped up in this. Do, do you know how he got to where he's at? You guys... If, Stand up, Joe, for a sec. Today is Joe's last day. If, if, if you're a guest with us and you don't know what's going on, today is Joe's last day. Joe and I have served the Lord for 10 years. I really disliked you when you first came. Hair? Well, not because you had hair. <laughs> I was youth pastor. Joe came in to take my place as youth pastor. And I was part of the hiring process. And I was so jealous of him leading my teens. And little did I know what God was going to do through Joe. But anyways, God brought Joe to this place so you get in your boat. It was all planned out by God, Joe. You're in the middle of this world, and I tell you what, it is chaotic. When he came to me and he said, man, I don't know what I'm going to do if I'm going to be a pastor or we're talking about starting a church or I might be taking over an existing church that is started out. He said, I don't know what I'm going to do, but he said, I know God wants me to lead a church. In America, and I said, God wants that. It's a crazy world. People have said, I, I would not want to start a church in this world, and we're in the middle of this that God's called us to do, and the storm is raging all around, and it, it is crazy. And then he's sitting there at Fellowship Baptist Church, and God says, Peter, I know your heart. And Joe, you were the one that came into my office, and you said, Tony, I, I don't know what's going inside of me. And he said, I, I can't shake this. I, I remember we were on a trip. Do you remember that? We were in the hotel room, and we, we were sitting there, and it was 2 o'clock in the morning, something crazy, and we were just talking. I don't know if you remember that. And he said, man, have you ever had these thoughts and everything? And I, I'm thinking, wow, God's, God's working in him. And God, God's stirring his heart up. God's doing something in his heart. I knew that. And let me tell you, I'm excited about that because our church, our world needs pastors and preachers and people preaching the truth. He stood up and said, can I? Lord, can I? Can I do it? And God gave you that instruction and he said, come. Now here's the thing. Getting out of the boat is huge. I want you guys to know, he's a very spiritual guy, but I promise you there's still fear in his heart. But I want to tell you, Joe, if God told you to go, you have nothing to fear. Because everything that you fear out here, God's in control of. He has it. And the thing that we have to do as pastors and preachers is keep our eyes on the Lord. Do you know why he failed? Do you know why any of us will fail is when we get our eyes off the Lord? It's, I tell you, sometimes it's even those that are in the ship 
And I'm thinking, if the Lord said, hey, come to me, why didn't all 12 of them jump out? Why did only one go? Even though that they, they were all believers, only one had the faith to walk on water. And the Lord answered that call and he came. And Joe, I want you to know that God's going to be there in your faith. God's going to be there in your fear. And if you mess up, God's going to be there even in your failure. And I want us to know that God has never, ever left us alone to do the things that he's called us to do. And I, I'm so excited about what God's going to do with him because when Peter got out of the water or out of, out of the boat and, and he went back there and they were like, dude, you sank. And he went back and said, dude, I walked on water. <laughs> Sometimes we focus on our failures and forget the fact that God did something amazing with us. God blessed us. God called us. Tonight, we're going to come back here and we're going to have the coolest service ever. And we're going to have a meal together afterwards. We're going to have a celebration and all this. Not celebration like we're glad you're going. But just a, a, a time to, to get behind Joe is, is a Fellowship Baptist Church sends him out to do the Lord's work. Thank you, Joe. Verse 33. Then they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying, Of truth, thou art the Son of God. Next week, we're going to start with this. I'm going to preach for the next few weeks on the subject of worship. But we have got to knock something out of here that has polluted our minds. That worship is standing and singing a song. I began to do a, a, a study on worship. And you know what I found in worship? Worship is people on their face before God, repenting and crying out at the feet of Jesus. And today we have people that say, let's gather to wor worship. And they're like, woo! Like, I'll tell you, this will come and our worship will come and our praise will come. But it's not authentic until it starts at the feet of Jesus. You don't see singing going on. You don't see any of these things that we try to fabricate. And I'm not belittling those things i'm just saying this is where it starts they came in the ship and they worshiped god they worshiped him i'm excited about seeing god do greater things i'm going to tell you we either believe it or we don't we can know it but until we say god can i come god god will you bless god will you use me and we take that step of faith and we start getting out of the boat and we start trusting god We'll never see or experience the greatness of God without faith.